and ye, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. How many of you have ever read that and thought, well, that's just kind of a weird way to end a story? I mean, I guess those old patriarchs, they can do what they want. They can be buried wherever they want. And okay, so he wants them to take his bones. But now let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Last week I, I tried to preach <clears throat> somewhere else out of, out of Hebrews chapter 11 and and I admit even then this verse kind of stuck out to me, but it wasn't until yesterday that it just wouldn't leave me. Because you question why. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22. And in Hebrews 11, we're of course in that hall of faith chapter. Um, and the, the point I made last week was that as I was growing up, every time I'd hear someone preach out of this chapter, it was always about the people. Look at the people, this hall of fame, as it were. Be like the people. Mm. But the central focus isn't the people. The central focus is faith. Yes. Every verse starts by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. It doesn't matter what the people, you don't live up to the people. You see the power of faith. Amen. Because we also know from other scripture that this is faith, not this faith is not a faith that we can generate, but it's a faith that is given to us as a gift of Almighty God. Yes. 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 So the power is not, you can't be like the people. If you try to tell someone to live like these people, then you're saying generate that kind of faith. But we can't self-generate that. Mm -hmm. But we can be in awe of the power of the faith that God provides. Yeah. And we can pray to have that kind of faithfulness. Amen. But here in this hall of faith, we see in verse 22, of all things, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. That's a little bit strange, isn't it? I mean, Joseph was an amazing patriarch. He did amazing things in his life. We, we've had entire sermons, and, and you, they, there could even be a series of, of messages and lessons on the power of God through Joseph's life. But we don't see those here. You, you would almost expect that it would say, by faith, Joseph received visions from God. Or by faith, Joseph resisted Potiphar's wife. No. By faith, Joseph made plans to save countless lives in Egypt during a famine. No. Instead, we get by faith, Joseph made funeral arrangements. That's true. Interesting. Why? Of all the things that made Joseph's life so powerful, of all the ways that God worked through Joseph, why is this the one that the writer of the Hebrew letter chose? to signify as a hallmark of Joseph's faith. And I'll contend for you today that it's because this is a this is a pure and great demonstration 
of Joseph's ability to see the long game. Mm. See, because in all of Hebrews 11, what we see in all of them is we see by faith Noah, by faith Moses, by faith Abel, by faith the judges. We see all of them demonstrated somehow. And then at the end, we see all the others. We see the great stories of great power, but then we see, and others died. Others were tortured. Others were afflicted. So we see the darker side of it. But all of them were by faith. By faith they succeeded. By faith they perished. By faith they were afflicted. By faith they were blessed. But all of it was by faith. None of them received the promise. All of them listed in chapter 11 died not having received the promise. That's right. So Joseph didn't receive the promise. Yet Joseph's command for his bones showed that Joseph's faith was so strong that he could see the long game. Long beyond himself. He wasn't even saying, when I die, take my body. He was seeing far enough to know that all that would be left of him is bones. Joseph is saying, God's promise is short. He promised the land to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to me. He will fulfill his promise. Amen. And even when I'm dead and gone, I want you to take my bones when you leave here. Mm-hmm. Joseph could see the long game. He knew that he would not receive the promise. But still, why why is that important? Why is it? I mean, okay, it, it's a demonstration of faith. And then, and then we see after the fact that, of course, Israel did receive the promise. They were delivered out of Egypt through Moses. But why is that still worthy of being listed here in Hebrews 11? If all scripture is profitable for doctrine and teaching, What is it that we're to learn from that? And I I don't know that I'll be very long today because like I said, I'm not very well prepared, but the the thought that that comes to me is that keep in mind, Joseph went one step further. Not only could he see the long game, but he made his family take an oath. And in this day and time, it's not like today where we say, well, I promise. I promise, and, you know, if nothing else comes up, I promise. <laughs> but an oath in that time was a sacred trust. Yes. He called his family to a sacred trust. This patriarch called his family to account for the sacred trust. 
And part of that sacred trust was that faith that was so strong in him. So where to make application today? What I'm curious about is as one of the Lord's churches, or as any of the Lord's churches, I'm not going to make it just us, are the Lord's churches today possessed with enough faith to see the long game? Are we laying down foundations that look beyond our own existence here and look into generations to come? Are we living? Are we teaching? With such sincerity and gravity that the next generation will know that we have left them a sacred trust? Are we working in such a way as to say, God's promise is sure. I may not see it. We may not see it in our time. But still. Because then the other part of that is in order for his family to keep that sacred trust, Joseph couldn't be buried. In Egypt, they would have embalmed him so that there wouldn't be the stench of decay and all that. Um, Would have been embalmed, contained, much like we do today, but still, over time, decay would take place, flesh would rot away, and you would be left with bones. But those bones would have to have been stored somewhere. The remains would have to have been stored somewhere in a coffin. In fact, the Bible tells us he was put in a coffin. But the story does not tell us he was buried. Which means that, kind of like we have urns today, this coffin stayed amongst his family as a memorial, as a reminder for all this time. Not just a reminder that, yeah, this was Joseph, this was great, 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 great grandfather, but that. God will come visit us, Joseph said, and that's why he's right there. So are we creating are we creating memorials that stand before the generations to come as a reminder that God's promise is sure? I don't know what that looks like. I'm just posing the question and and I feel, I, I guess maybe I feel unprepared because I'm, I'm, I don't have answers, but maybe it's that the Lord just stirs these things up within us so that we think about them. It's not just within the churches, within our families. You know, as, as parents, grandparents, and even as great-grandparents, because, well, oh, what a blessing that y'all have great-grandchildren that you get to know. I, I had not thought about it because it, I never knew my great-grandparents. In fact, I only knew two of my grandparents. But you know, it's rare enough for children to know their Mm great-grandparents that even in this same story, 
the Bible makes mention that Joseph's great-grandchildren were brought up on his knee. Mm. Why would that detail be there? Jacob never knew his great-grandchildren. In fact, he blessed his grandchildren. Mm. But Joseph's great-grandchildren were brought up on his knee. So what a wonderful blessing that is for you all, but also what a great responsibility because as, as great-grandparents and as grandparents and as parents... Are we living in such a way? Are we teaching in such a way? Are we working and laying such a foundation that our children will see that our, that our eyes are set on a prize that is beyond us? Amen. Amen. So many of our churches today, and when I say churches, I, I mean all of them, not just, not just the true Lord's churches, so many of the religious organizations of today are only working for today. Let's build for now. And God will bless now. The preachers on TV say, sow your seed of faith and God will bless you now. Be faithful today so that God can be faithful now. Your reward is now. And we live for the now. Too much of that we become disappointed when God's timing is not our own. And we tend to think that God has failed. I tried to preach last week about when God's promises failed too. And the conclusion was that God's promises don't fail, however we ask amiss. And when we live for the now instead of seeing the long game, And we even see that within, within our churches and within our families because so many of the, the people that profess to be the Lord's people is like, well, I've got my salvation. That's it. I've got what I need. i got my promise. Or then we pray for our family and just our family. That's all I'm concerned about is that my family be saved. Now, is that a bad thing? No, certainly we should pray for the Lord to save our families. But when that is our end goal, we're not showing an eye for the long game. Because the Lord is concerned about the world. Yeah. He's concerned about the people of the world. The Lord is concerned first and foremost for His glory, not whether or not I'm saved. So if he saved me, he didn't do it for me. He did it for him. Yes. But so many of our people forget that. And, and once, once they have salvation, it's like, well, I've received my promise. Yeah. No, God's promise is so much bigger than any one soul salvation. Yeah. And it is incumbent upon us to live and to work and to shape our lives in such a way that we show an eye for the end game, the long game that the Lord has in mind. Which is promises that will come long after we're gone. Now I know we can say the Lord will come back anytime. Probably, and everyone will, you'll hear so often that the signs of the times are here. Probably in my lifetime the Lord will come back. <laughs> yeah. Well maybe so. Does that mean I give up the long game? No. Mm -mm. 
for myself, I live as though he could come back in time. But for the sake of the world, for the sake of the people that God loves, for the sake of God's glory being magnified in the earth, we need to live for that long game that Joseph lived for. Are we calling, are we living our lives in such a way that we are calling our children to a sacred trust? Are we calling them to a sacred trust so that we say to them that when the Lord calls you away from here, when the Lord visits you, take what I've seen, take what I've taught you with you. Now certainly I'm not going to ask my children to carry my bones halfway across the desert. (laughs) But let's look at the metaphor therein. And certainly, certainly it is a burden that I must take more seriously. That I show my children my life in such a way that they know that when God visits them, they can take the long game that I've had in mind with them. Yes. But before they can take the long game I've had in mind, then I must have God's long game in my mind. So as families, as churches, do we have that faith like God gave Joseph to see the long game, to see the promise well beyond what we will be here to see? If we don't, we can pray for that faith. That's still the lesson from chapter 11 in Hebrews is that we can't generate that kind of faith. We can't just will ourselves to see that long game. But we can pray that God may reveal it to us. That that God may grant us faith. Kind of like the man with the demon-possessed boy that said, Lord, if you can help, if you can do anything, please help my son. And Jesus said, if I can help, anything's possible to them who trusts. And he said, I trust you, Lord, but help me trust you more. I have faith, but give me more. Give me more faith. We can pray for faith so that if in our minds we don't see the long game beyond today, another part of that is if we look at Exodus, Exodus chapter 13, you don't have to turn there. At Exodus chapter 13, they're just getting ready to leave. This has been several generations past Joseph. And we know that because Exodus starts out with a Pharaoh arose that knew not Joseph. Well, Joseph was in Egypt for probably 70, 80 years. So then a whole generation after the last Pharaoh that knew Joseph after Joseph died, whoever was Pharaoh at that time would have known Joseph. He would have had to have died. And the child, you know, who followed him would have had to either not been born. Anyway, enough time would have had to have passed that this Pharaoh did not know Joseph. So time has passed. And then several generations after that, Moses finally comes in. 
And so God's promise of deliverance has finally come. We have the ten plagues. We have them running out in a hurry with the Passover instituted. And in chapter 13, verse 19 says, And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. We see that Moses kept the promise. For all this time, Joseph's bones had been on display there in the midst of the children of Israel as a reminder that God would keep his promise and that they had made an oath. And Moses, not as the great deliverer, not as the Messiah of that time, but as one of the children of Israel, who had been sworn to that oath made sure that oath was kept. So for the for the older generation among us, I've already asked, are we living in such a way? Are, are we setting such a foundation that the generations behind will see the long game? Will see our long view of things and receive from us that sacred trust to carry it forward. We should, you know, if we have if we have people among our churches, especially younger people, who if you ask them, why are you a member of such and such church? And the answer in all honesty is, I don't know, it's just what I've always done. Yeah then we've got a problem. Yes. We have not communicated the sacred trust. Yes. We have not communicated the long game, the long vision, the promise of God in generations in the future. Yes. When our young people don't know why they belong to one of the Lord's churches except it's all they've ever known, we need to look at what we're doing. Yeah. But likewise, those in the younger generation. This younger generation, in fact, we see that as soon as they left Egypt, they had zero long vision. They get across the Red Sea and go, where's the food? (laughs) Oh, I wish we could go back. Like a week later, they wish they could go back. Mm -hmm. So the younger generation, they had no long goal. There was no long game for them. How much does that mirror our society today? So for the younger generation, are you able to see the the long game? And perhaps you don't have that vision. You can pray for it too. The faith that came to Joseph will come to you the same way. You must pray for it. But until then, we can remember the sacred trust. Because it's a teaching tool. It helps us to learn. Pick up the sacred trust. Carry the bones, carry this memorial with you. I'm not even talking about the perpetuity of of 
Grace Church or any one of the Lord's churches. But but I will say this, like Brother Josh was ordained by Grace Church. And in future years, actually in a couple weeks, you have a great opportunity at McFerrin. But in the years to come, he may be called to pastor any number of different places. He may be called to different states, possibly even to a different nation. But wherever he goes, wherever he goes, it is Grace Church that set him apart for the ministry. That's right. So wherever he goes, the vision that this church has set for him, the, the teaching that this church has given him, the long goal that they put in his mind is what he will carry with him. That's right. Yes. Amen. Okay. In generations to come, if the Lord continues to allow me to preach, whether or not I'm ever ordained, I don't know. But this church, Grace Church, is the one that examined my call. Yes. Examined my doctrine. And voted to license me to preach. So as I go tonight, next week, next year, 20 years from now, even if I am no longer a member of Grace Church, this is the church that gave me a long goal. Amen. And for those of you who who are younger, not married, life may take you a number of places. Jobs may call you to a different state. You may wind up in an area where there's not a church like ours, and you just have to make do as it is. But at the same time, regardless of where you go for your employment or your family, it is the long goal of Grace Church, the doctrine that that you've been taught here, that must fill your heart that you take with you. You have to take it with you. That's the sacred trust that you've been entrusted with is to take it with you and then pass it on to your children and to the generation to come after that and to then entrust them with the same sacred trust. It's not bones. Thank goodness, that'd be a little bit gross in this day and time. But the idea is that it's a memorial. Amen. Based on the fact that God will keep His promises. And we can say, well, now Jesus has come, and and I've been saved. I've received a promise. Oh, if you think being saved here, now that's wonderful peace and a wonderful blessing, but if you think that is the promise of God, you have greatly underestimated God. Because until there is nothing left of us of bones, the promise has not been fulfilled. So we keep working. We keep looking ahead for that for that promise. And even, even beyond me, even when I'm dead and gone and I'm with the Lord and I have received my promise in its, full, in its fullest, God is still concerned about the world. He's still concerned about my family. He's still concerned about the world. He's still concerned about being glorified throughout all the earth. So I've got to live in such a way that I see that. I've got to live for that. And pass on to my family, to my children. Let them 
somehow. Not in a power of my own, but pray that the Lord may give me faith so that they can see me live in such a way that I have an eye for God's promise for the world. Such that I can say when I'm dead and gone, you keep it going. We're not there yet. And when God visits you, you go and you take me with you. You take what I've taught you. You take what I've given you. You take what I've left you. And you keep going for the promise. I don't know what the Lord may stir up within us all, but I think there's something to learn there for, for those of us in the older generations and for something in the younger generations. Older generations, and I don't necessarily mean just here, I just mean in general. And we all have ways in which we can improve. And by older generations, I don't just mean older in years. I mean anyone with someone under you. So that would apply to me. I've got children. I don't consider myself old yet, but I've got children, so I have to think of myself as an older generation. I've got to live in such a way that the children see me living for the promise that I have not yet received. But younger generations, if you're aimless, there's no excuse. You can't blame the older generation and say, well, they didn't teach me or this or that. Faith is a gift of God. All of, this is a, all of this is a matter of faith. So even for the older generation, what we teach isn't something that we can generate, but it's a stewardship that we have. All the faith is a gift of God. But for the younger generation, if you have not received that stewardship, for whatever reason, you have no excuse. You pray for it. And you look to see what is that memorial that I can take away. Maybe, maybe someone in, in one of our older generations has not expressly said, look, these are the bones that I'm talking about. This is, this is the meat. This is the sacred trust. Take it with you. And you don't know what that sacred trust is. Search it out. Amen. Seek it out. And keep your oath. Because it's not just a promise to do the best you can when you can. But it's an oath. Amen. So by faith, by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith. Let's make our own funeral arrangements for what will live on after we've departed. Let me say a couple things about if you're done. I am. See, there is a second sermon. <laughs> I'm going to read you this out of Second Peter, the first chapter. This is kind of a piggyback on top of this message. 
His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us a very great and precious promise so that through them you might participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by your evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never fall. And if you will, and, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I, just real briefly, uh, I wanted to read that. You know, that message that he preached went in my heart. Joseph had a vision of God's promise. According to Exodus, the Israelites were in Egypt 430 years. I, I, I just want to reiterate that. He covered it. But he was so certain of God's promise being fulfilled, he said, take my bones with you. And then Moses, when he left, took the bones of Joseph with him. And this beautiful part, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though, uh, through, though it was shorter, for God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt armed for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. And in Joshua, we're told, Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried in Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendant. God promises to Abraham, confirms it to Isaac, confirms it to Jacob. Jacob buys some land, has twelve children, one of them's Joseph. Joseph goes through everything he went through, ended up in Egypt, never saw God's promise fulfilled. God's promise wasn't fulfilled in that famine and being despair. His promise was so long into the future. And the conclusion, over 400 years after his death, he ends up in the plot of land that Jacob bought by faith. His bones, a confirmation of the promise of God. Well, how beautiful. We live in a culture that is so short-sighted. We look at something we're doing in the moment. We don't see the benefit in the moment. We say, Lord, what am I even doing? I told Brother, Brother Brad a while back, we were talking about worries about our churches, missionary Baptist churches. 
And I said something like about a couple of particular churches. I said, I don't, what's the point? I don't know why what they're doing matters. And he said this, that's the point, Brother Josh, you don't know. We don't know. We don't know the result of our actions. We don't know what's going to happen 400 years from now. We don't know where our spiritual bones are going to be carried. And I, uh, I don't have any more to say except I'm so thankful for this simple truth of God confirmed in a way that I've never thought about. How many times have you all read Hebrews 11? I mean, probably hundreds. I've preached out of it maybe dozens of times. And I've never thought about why Joseph made a command about his bones. But that was representative of the promise of God that would be fulfilled generations after his death. I was telling Brother Reynolds some of my same concerns a while back. And he looked at me with this amused twinkle in his eye and he said, uh, Well, Brother Josh... So many years ago, I went out to California and helped or organize a church that you've been pastoring all these years. <laughs> Don't despise the day of small things. Yeah. I don't know what the Lord has in store for any of us, for this congregation. I, I, just on a personal note, I don't want to take away from the message or the service, but uh, I'm not avoiding you all, haven't abandoned you. I'm doing what I need to be doing. And I didn't understand when God relieved me of pastoring that most of what I needed to be doing was healing. Things inside of me that I didn't know were hurt. Not anything y'all did. I didn't know that. I start, I preached, I want to tell you this. New Year's Eve, December 31st, by January 1st, I was trying to figure out the next four years of my life. And I said, well, Lord, you must have released me for this, this, or this, and the plan, and plan. And you know what my job has been? Sitting still, listening, all that stuff I preached all those times, listen, listening, listening. And um, I just want you to know there's no, I, don't, I hope you're not discouraged by that. This is not about me, but I, I want you to know that. I, I didn't just uh, stop going to church or something. Um, God brings things about in ways that we don't anticipate. Or understand. Just like this message. It was a different kind of message. <laughs> I know it wasn't as organized as you like, or thought out, or all that, but you know what? The point was driven home. Yeah. Driven home. Absolutely. God's promises <clears throat> will be fulfilled. And all these faithful patriarchs, none of them ever saw God's promise fulfilled with their natural eye. It's the point of faith. Faith is what you don't see. So, God bless you, Brother Bobby. What we're working for, what we're laboring for, uh, not a city built with hands. I, I, this translation in the 11th chapter, this is the NIV, it calls them, uh, King James calls them strangers and pilgrims. This calls them aliens. <laughs> <laughs> you know how we feel toward illegal immigrants, aliens. We're aliens of this world. We're never supposed to fit in. Ever. No, we don't. I knew we'd have two sermons. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Now the third one. <laughs> oh. I am a preacher. <laughs>
anybody have anything with your heart? I, I've been watching Laura rock that baby. That baby seems like he's happy since he got his, uh, shall we say, his injection there. <laughs> 